Hey guys, it's Guru Mike Pan of the Binary Warrior Podcast, and today is your Warrior Wednesday episode. Uh, so basically, every two weeks, I try to sit down with an individual that I feel embodies some aspect of the warrior lifestyle. Um, and today, I want to interview a guy by the name of Carlos Bersabe. Uh, he is a United States Air Force veteran, uh, Filipino-American United States, United States Air Force veteran. Uh, but what makes him unique is the fact that he's also a uh, Catholic evangelist. Now, I know we're not a faith-based organization. Uh, we are not uh, you know, necessarily uh, espousing any religion or anything like that on this podcast. We're a martial arts group. That's really what we are about. But at the same time, I am a practicing Catholic, and I actually, my story, um, that might be for a completely separate podcast, um, I basically left the faith for a long period of time in my life, and I came back to it uh, just as a few years ago. And um, I met Carlos Bersabe online. We were I followed him on his social media channels, which I'll leave in the show notes for this episode. And uh, he was a really just a great man of just conviction and passion. And he has a very similar story to mine. And that he uh, was very detached from the faith for a long period of time in his life and just kind of came back and came in head first. Um, and regardless of whether you believe in it or not, whether you agree with it or not, uh, the truth is there's two things we have to hold as true. One, the Catholic faith has a huge, huge impact on Filipino culture, especially modern Filipino culture, uh, both in the U.S. as well as in the Philippines, as, as well as throughout the world. The second thing is that even if you agree with his views or not, and you may disagree or you may agree with him, regardless, you have to respect a guy with conviction and passion. And regardless if you agree with him or not, I think you're going to really love his his level of passion, his level of devotion to what he believes in. And I think in these times, we definitely need someone who's really sticking up for their beliefs. All right, guys. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carlos Bersabe. All right, guys. This is Guru Mike Pan of the Bionic Warrior Podcast, and I'm here with Carlos Bersabe. Um, and uh, he is a military uh, veteran. He's also uh, an active uh, Catholic evangelist and martial artist as well. So I just want to welcome him. Carlos, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hey, thank you for having me on, brother. Appreciate you, man. And, you know, we've been following each other on Instagram for quite some time, but this is actually the first time that we're actually able to really, you know, get on a call and chat. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I only know you really from our interactions through social media. But why don't you share with the audience uh, what you do, who you are, and maybe some of your background? And how you got to okay. where you are now. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a little bit about myself. I uh, came back to the Catholic Church back in 2007. Um, and, uh, you know, quite some time before that, I grew up a little bit in South Carolina. So you might hear a little bit of a twang uh, every now and then. Uh, before that, I was born in the Philippines um, and spent most of my time either on the farm in Cavite, up in the mountains, in a very, very small village, or over in uh, Clark Air Base. Uh, my father uh, you know, became an American through the military, through the, or actually, he was born American. My grandfather uh, was U.S. Navy, and he was able to earn his citizenship way, way back in the day. And so he, was a, he had enough time in service to be able to pass that on to my father. And my father... Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, didn't have enough um, time and service to pass along uh, his U.S. citizenship to me. So when I came over to the United States um, back in the early 90s, I was able to apply for citizenship, uh, became a citizen, and uh, did a whole lot of back and forth from South Carolina to the Philippines, uh, even during my college years. Um, so I mentioned my wife earlier. My wife is uh, Filipina. I met her while studying at the University of the Philippines in Diliman. And 
uh, she and I were classmates. Um, you know, we were pen pals for quite some time. And right as I commissioned into the United States Air Force, I asked her to marry me. And then after commissioning, I got uh, in a couple of moves. I got PCS to Minot Air Force Base where Christine and I got married in the church. And uh, it was then that she and I had our my reversion and her conversion. Um, but, uh, you know, that's a little bit about my background. Currently, I'm still in the U.S. military. Uh, Christine and I have four kids. Uh, our eldest is a girl, and uh, then we have three boys uh, at the moment. Um, living in Nebraska, hoping to move back to Wyoming. I really love bow hunting, and it's almost elk season, uh, only a couple months until September. So I'm really hoping to be able to, to get there for that. Um, and you mentioned martial artist, and that's you're being very gracious saying that um, uh, for me because I... I am, my kids practice more than I do. Um, I was able to get my black belts, uh, you know, a long time ago when I was in high school. And they say once a black belt, always a black belt. But at the same time, oh boy, I am out of practice. Uh, my family, we have a tradition of uh, martial arts culture and um, boxing uh, primarily that was via the U.S. Navy. And so I did a whole lot of that. I uh, did Taekwondo, our niece, although to be honest, um, you know, I, my body still remembers some things, uh, but it's, I'm so out of practice. Whenever I see your videos and whatnot, I'm like, oh man, I should take it back up someday. <laughs> you know, I think it's in the blood though. I think it's like, it could be like riding a bike. If you grab a, I saw you moving in that one video message that you sent me a few weeks ago uh -huh. and I'm like, oh, this guy's got it. He can pick it up. He's got it. He's got it. Well, thanks for sharing that with me, Carlos. And I really appreciate that. And again, um, you know, thank you for your service, uh, first of all. And I just kind of want to touch upon that first, because as you okay. know, Bayani Warrior, uh, we emphasize the nature of being a Bayani, a hero, right? As well as a warrior, someone who can protect people, serve people, as well as mentor people. Okay. And I think that what you're doing, not just with your, your evangelical work and your social media presence, but also with your military service, I think kind of ties into that so i actually want to kind of dig deeper into your military service obviously uh you know uh, filipinos in the u.s military there's a long history um you know ever since world war ii of filipino filipinos and filipino americans entering the navy the marine corps the air force army um and i'm really curious as to you know some of your motivations i know you mentioned that your father uh was a military man uh, but what were some of the motivations to bring you into the life of service well, that's a great question, and not, and this is going to sound really sappy. Um, so my my I didn't I didn't grow up with my father. So my father left when when I was in the fifth grade, mm. and I never really knew uh, my grandfather, his father. Um, I, I just knew that my grandfather was U.S. Navy, my father was U.S. Air Force, and I actually didn't want to join the military. Um, but in two thousand one, nine eleven happened. And I happened to be in college at the time. And so, uh, and the college where I attended was the Citadel. Even though that I went and did that semester abroad at the, in the Philippines, I went to a military college, in South, uh, the military college of South Carolina, the Citadel. And it was very natural for a young man um, who at that point in his life to want to join the military 
uh, to serve his country. And for me, it was a sense of patriotism. Um, just the, you know, me going back and forth, back and forth from the United States to the Philippines, I really had a deep appreciation for the, the quality of life that I got to live here in the United States compared to my, uh, some of my relatives that I would visit back home in the Philippines. And so for me, uh, seeing as how we got attacked, I wanted to fight back. And so it took me a little bit of time to, to get my uh, contract and scholarships in Air Force ROTC. I decided to stay Air Force only because that's what I knew most. And um, my, my parents talked me out of going into the Marine Corps and Army. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was that, that, call to, that call to arms during that time in 9-11. And I, I didn't actually think that I wanted to stay very long. I just wanted to say that I did my part and do my part. And uh, but the Air Force and ha has given me so many cool things to do. And God is whenever I pray and I ask, you know, what's next? He says, you're good right now where you are. Um, you have a lot of maturation left to do and the Air Force is helping you to do it. So stay where you are. And so far, I am five years away from retiring from the U.S. Air Force, so I'm hoping to make it to 20 and uh, and go from there. Well, thank you again for your service, brother. I appreciate that. And you know, being that there is this lineage, and I think you know, uh, speaking to you know some of my, my friends who are Filipino American as well, and they've served in the U.S. military. Um, you know, there just seems to be this um, this I guess it's in our, in our blood as Filipinos. We're, we're not afraid to get into the fight. You know what I mean? And whether that be you know, in the ring, on the mat, you know, or in your particular case serving in our U.S. in the U.S. military, I think that's just part of our nature. So I'm just curious if you are looking to encourage your sons. You have three boys, I believe you said. Are you encouraging them to follow in your footsteps? Maybe not even in the Air Force, but some other branch. I was just curious if that was part of the uh, the uh, goals, or perhaps some of the vision that you have for your kids. You know, it's weird because uh, I try not. I, I'm. It sounds. Uh, strange for me to say, but even though that I'm third generation um, U.S. military in, in my family, and it's kind of weird. I mean, even my, my younger brothers are serving in the U.S. Air Force right now. My sister-in-law you know, is serving in the U.S. Air Force right now. So, uh, and then my, my half-sister, uh, she is a DOD, um, you know, nurse, uh, so she's also serving in that regard. I want them not to think of it as some familial obligation. Uh, for me as a father, first and foremost, uh, my greatest desire for my children is to listen to God and do the will of God. So I tell them, um, you know, whatever it is that, that you are called to do, I want you to do that. But you have to listen first to figure out what that is. Uh, one of my kids, my oldest son, has already expressed to me that he wants to be an, um, an Air Force Catholic chaplain. So he, he it was the strangest thing because he told me that he wanted to be a priest when he was like four or five years old. And uh, he, he got to meet some Catholic chaplains. So he sees me in uniform all the time. And he sees the Catholic priests and their cassocks and their clerics all the time. And so he thought that it's the best of both worlds. And I told him, look, if you really 
want to do it. Uh, just listen to God, you know, want what God wants for you. My second son, uh, he uh, is probably the one who is most close to how I am, both in the way of looks and in behavior. So I wouldn't be surprised if he went into the military. Uh, and then, you know, my baby boy, who just turned one uh, a month or so ago, I have no idea. Uh, I, but as far as service goes, absolutely, uh, you know, service is going to be something that, that we highlight in our family, that we already highlight in our family, whether it's military service. Um, that's another matter. Uh, for me, you know, it, even if they say, you know, Papa, we want to be, you know, I want to become a priest, but not a Catholic uh, chaplain, uh, just a Catholic priest. I'll tell them that's great because spiritual warfare, that's a real thing, too. And we need, you know, you know, warriors out there leading the charge for something that's greater than just, you know, physical health, physical safety and physical death. So, uh, yes and no, I guess. No, I totally understand what you're saying, because a lot of people ask me if my son is going to do martial arts. And I tell him all the time, like, it's part of our life, right? It's, it is something that I encourage him to do. It's something that is kind of like our playtime, you know, getting the sticks out and this, the training swords and, you know, moving around. But it's, you know, it's, it, is it mandatory for him to do what I do? Not necessarily, but I do want it to be capable. I want it to be part of his life, right? I think right. in very much the same way, you are doing the same thing with your uh, boys in terms of that idea that you know the military service is certainly an option we encourage it but at the same time you know you're your own person and as long as you're serving god as long as you're serving the mission that he's put on this uh, you on this earth for then you're doing the right thing right and i really like that i really like how you put that so and i really want to speak about that especially because when you reached out to me man it's been a while i think when we first interacted on social <laughs> media Oh my goodness. It was, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think, maybe over a year or two ago and you reached out and I had no idea that the guy who was running the Catholic ammo Instagram page was a Filipino guy. <laughs> I had no clue because I'll be honest, you know, if you look around the, uh, not just social media, uh, not just secular social media, because obviously there's not a lot of Filipino representation, Filipino American representation specifically on social media. There's not a ton of it. I think it's because Filipino Americans are kind of coming to the forefront. You know, we're having a lot more representation in Hollywood and the mainstream media. I think it's more common to see it now, but in terms of, uh, you know, spiritual and religious, you know, uh, religious uh, scene, I guess you could say, Filipino Americans are not very prominent. So I really, really like to talk to you about your what you called the reversion story. And for those, my, those of my listeners who aren't familiar with that, what that term is, reversion is a term that Catholics, like cradle Catholics, uh, utilize to talk about how they possibly left the faith and then came back. And even though this is not necessarily a faith-based podcast, I am a practicing Catholic. It is part of my life. Um, it, it is a, a huge part of who I am, as not just as a, a man, but you know, also as a martial arts teacher, as a parent, uh, as, as a husband. So I want to talk to you about your reversion back to your faith, because I think regardless of the beliefs that my uh, audience has, maybe they have religious beliefs or not, I think it's interesting to hear that story of coming back to faith. And I'd like you to share it if you can. Yeah, and so it actually, um, you know, you, you said something really interesting to me that we don't have a lot of Filipino-American, uh, you know, representation in that. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with current Filipino culture, even going back to my grandfather. So my grandfather on my mother's side, he, 
he was not very religious at all. Um, you know, when I was a kid, he, whenever my mother would take us to mass, um, my grandfather stayed home. And, you know, he said that he had a special agreement with God that he didn't have to go or something whenever I had asked him why he didn't go. Uh, my father, he only went because that's what people did. And so I would see him, um, you know, folding up the, the, uh, the missalettes the, to figure out what day it was. He would take the bulletin and fold it into paper airplanes. It's not like he was very engaged in it. So I didn't look at going to church as something that was very masculine. In fact, whenever uh, they had, you know, Filipinos are very deeply religious people, but for the most part, whenever they would have these uh, prayer parties um, and they, and growing up, they had it quite a bit. Um, they would have the Santo Nino, the, the Virgen, they would, they would bring it from house to house, but really it was the women who were praying while the men were grilling and drinking beer and doing whatever else. So I just didn't see it as something that had the characteristic uh, that was desirable for a young man. And so um, I, I left the faith as is implied by me coming back to the faith with the reversion. And so for me, what ended up happening is that it doesn't matter what you think, uh, God's calling you. He's always calling you. And I started hearing these calls a whole lot more, um, especially during adversity. And so, and it's, it's, and really during adversity is um, a great time to be humbled. And if you allow yourself to be humbled, it cancels out a lot of the other noise, uh, especially the noise of pride. And so you're able to hear God's voice more clearly. And it happened over several years, starting in college, and then finally culminating with uh, marrying my wife. Now, I said she and I were married in Minot, North Dakota, Minot Air Force Base, North Dakota. But technically, we got married in Las Vegas first. We got married in a um, drive through wedding chapel. Wow. Yeah. And like, we, we just didn't, we, we didn't really look at marriage as a sacrament um, before right. that. So, um, but then kind of like what I alluded to before, you know, what do people do on Sundays? Well, she, she and I decided that we would go to Catholic mass. Uh, back then I just called it church. She was a non-practicing uh, born again Christian. And I was a semi-practicing Catholic. And I say semi-practicing only because my mother who was very practicing would always ask me if I was going to mass. And it really made me feel sick to my stomach whenever I would tell her yes, when the real answer was no. So instead of lying to her, I would just go to Mass. And so we were going to Mass, and this Catholic priest, you know, talking about martial culture, this uh, Catholic priest, he's an old Polish dude, too. Um, you know how they shake your hands right after Mass uh, as you're leaving? Well, you know, this guy shook my hand and wouldn't let go. This was after maybe a a couple of Sundays of going there and you know he I'm not very tall uh, but this guy was definitely shorter than me and so and way way older and he was like Carlos uh, are you married I was like uh, yes father I, I introduced you to Christine already but he kept on asking and then finally I relented and told him 
uh, well, Father, you know, Christine and I got married in Vegas and uh, at a drive through wedding chapel. And he smacked me upside my head quicker than I could even react. And back then I was still, you know, I was still boxing. I was still, you know, practicing. I, but he just caught me way off guard. He, you know, pulled me in with his hand, uh, with the handshake, and then smacked me upside my head with the other one. And he's like, Carlos, you have to, you and Christine have to uh, take marriage prep with me. And then we will sacramentalize your marriage. And he wasn't like angry or disgusted. He was, he, he kind of gave me the look that, uh, that a father would when, when the father is hurt or disappointed or has some sort of pity. And so I couldn't say no. And so Christine and I went and then finally, as Christine was entering into, uh, was going to enter into the church, um, you know, closer and closer making that decision, he said, you know, maybe you should go into RCIA. And Christine gave me a stipulation that she would go to RCIA if I went with her. And even though that I wasn't deeply religious as a kid, I still went through CCD, I seen, you know, the, the normal religious education classes. And so I thought I knew it all. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't necessarily believe it all, but I thought I knew it all at least. Well, sitting in RCAA, I didn't even know it all. I didn't even know a fraction. My hand was, you know, raised every single time someone would say something. And so finally, we get to a part in the class where Jay, one of the instructors, and, you know, today we're going to talk about truth. And so I was thinking to myself, you know, well, why are we wasting our time talking about that? And so I asked, why are we talking about truth? There's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is relative. And so he took those two sentences and drew it up on the whiteboard and asked me what was wrong with it. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with it. And he's like, do you know who else asked that question? What is truth? And I was like, uh, I don't know, a bunch of people probably because it's kind of a ridiculous thing. It's philosophical at best. And he's like, no, it's Pontius Pilate. And so basically he, he showed me that there is no absolute truth, is an absolute statement that I held to be true. To say that um, everything is relative is another absolute statement that I also held to be true. So that's circular reasoning, which is a logical fallacy. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. How did I not notice this before? And he gave me a book afterwards by Scott Hahn, because what he had showed me uh, was truth isn't something, but someone, namely Jesus Christ, who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he says, I want you to read this. I want you to, you know, take your time, read it. You can even keep it if you want. And it was a book by uh, Scott Hahn, The Lamb's Supper. And so I didn't realize what the Mass truly was. I thought it was church. I thought it was there to, to hear some good words, be inspired, and, you know, to be a good person. I didn't realize what it truly was. And then this is when it clicked for me with regard to masculinity. You know, I'm going to bring it back to that term because that was kind of why I wasn't you know, representing. In Christ, we see true masculinity. As I'm going through marriage prep, I'm getting to see the wedding supper, the wedding banquet of the Lamb, the nuptial character of the Mass. 
of our faith. And I'm getting to see the best example of what it means to be not just truly human, but to be a true man in Jesus Christ. And it wasn't, yeah, hang around, drink beer, talk about girls and smoke and joke. No, it was, can you give yourself totally and completely to your bride? And, you know, in the case of a, a case of a man here on earth, can you live your life so fully and so sacrifice and through sacrifice to be able to give your your life to your wife, your kids, your country? Um, and when I saw that, I was like, you know, being Catholic is the epitome of what it means to be truly human, to be truly masculine, for females to be truly feminine. I, I was all in. And so that's that's a little bit of a, I know that that was a long version, but there's a longer version, but uh, that was a shortened version of, of my reversion story. Well, that's a really cool story. I, mean, I had no idea that you went through all of that. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And again, even though my audience, they may not all share the same faith. I think that just that that self-awareness and that journey speaks to so many people. And I've noticed that even in my own, I, I'm a revert as well. Um, I, and I, I noticed that a lot of Filipino Americans, you know, I think there was a study I read recently that Filipino Americans uh, are, are slow, are leaving the faith. They're leaving specifically the Catholic faith. Some of them who maybe are from non-denominational uh, sects of Christianity are also leaving at an alarming rate. And the vast majority of these Filipino Americans are men because they don't see it as relevant. They don't see it as masculine. And like you, I had to go through my own path and my own, you know, my own odyssey to kind of return back to the faith. And I'm kind of still in the middle of it, I feel. I still feel like I'm just at the very beginning of it. Uh, but at the same time, again, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, fun fact, my wife's also named Chris, my wife's name is also Christine. Hey. So, so that's wild. <laughs> so that's pretty, that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> when you said Christine, I'm like, wait a second. That's really awesome. Uh, but yeah, like my wife and I, we met through a uh, Catholic organization at a retreat at a, like a big one of those big nationwide conferences. And a lot of people ask us how we met. And that's how we met. And honestly, I went not because I necessarily believed it, but because my mom and dad, they were going, my brother was going, and my sister was going. They're like, well, you should go because we're all going. And I was like, okay, fine. And I think it's funny <laughs> how like our family, like you, the story you told about your mom asking if you're still going to mass. I think it's interesting how family can bring us sometimes they can bring us away from it they become sure. you, but many times there's there's a uh, odds are that sometimes family can bring you to it and i think that's really really great and you know again i and I, I want to talk about the idea you keep bringing up masculinity and i think the biggest issue and this is one of the, the hang-ups i had before i came back was that i didn't feel like you that the catholic faith faith was necessarily masculine i mean i would always see you know um, women were pretty much running the show uh the the hymns were extraordinarily feminine and kind of folky and i'm not really about that music and the the uh, priests that just seemed disengaged with me they didn't yeah. seem to care you know a lot of these priests i mean they're there but they don't even know my name they don't seem to care to know my name. And that could be for a lot of reasons, maybe liability, legal. That could be, you know, there's just a lot of people in the parish and they, they can't sit down and talk to you and get to know you one on one. So I want to hear from you. And I, I would love to get into this conversation of, you know, what can we do to make the church 
more appealing to men? Because I noticed that, you know, I have a lot of friends here. I live in Texas. I live in what is known as a Bible Belt. So you, we have a ton of mega churches out here, you know, large evangelical, they'll call them non-denominational churches. And I noticed, and I really hate to say this, but the men at these churches seem much more masculine than the typical Catholic guy. And I'm just being honest. Like, it's yeah. very strange. Like, they, they work out. They all hang out together. They have a sense of brotherhood and fellowship. And when I go to a parish, one of the, the hangups, I, and I'm still kind of dealing with this now, to be honest with you, it's either they're, high, they're, they're too far on the intellectual side where I have to know all of the summa to understand what they're talking <laughs> about. Or, and I'm a philosophy major in college. I majored in philosophy, so I should be able to hang with them. But even I feel out of, <laughs> out of I'm like a white belt in that. You know what I mean? And then you have the other side of them where, they're maybe out of my range in terms of age. And I'm like a baby compared to the 60 year old men that are actually active in the parish. So what can we do in our, for guys in our generation, in our age group, what do you think is the problem with the masculinity crisis in the church? And what can we do? What are some of your ideas that we can bring to the table to possibly bring men like ourselves back into the faith? I think just, uh, you know, for definitely for one thing, uh, be more public about it. You don't. It's a it's a very American thing, I think, to think uh, that that the pray, that the faith has to be private. And so, a lot of folks that you know they they could very well be very masculine, but in church they they try to hide who they are because they don't think that it's appropriate. Um, I I think for the most part. Uh, maybe maybe it's because I you know um, I'm a sunny side up kind of guy in in some regards, but I think the crisis of masculinity really is in the Catholic Church and in um, in Filipino Catholics in particular is the failure to see Christ as masculine. And you know I'm going to bring it back a little bit to to the the martial culture of you know. A lot of people, they think that meekness is weakness. And a lot of people think that turning the other cheek means allowing yourself to get beat up and, you know, be pacifistic. It doesn't. It's not like that at all, especially spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, you're doing spiritual jujitsu, spiritual Muay Thai. You're talking about striking and choking and, you know, arm barring the devil with, with your prayers and with, the, you know, living a moral life. That ain't easy. And so one of the ways that I think, um, you know, guys could show more masculinity and, and, uh, and, sh- and show up is if you're a guy and you're listening to this, number one, live your faith. You know, live your faith publicly. I'm not saying that you should smack people over the head with a Bible, but you don't have to hide your lamp under a bushel basket. And, there, and, be hum- and you know, don't be prideful or, or overly humble about it. It's not like you have to know, you know, the Summa. Enjoy what it is that you do know and show that you have a hunger for learning more. You know, true masculinity isn't settling for, isn't settling for what you have now and being content. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so show that restlessness. Show that where the, you can, how to, how to direct that energy. Like learning about the church, being academic if you will doesn't have to be boring um because it's it's like learning your craft uh you know number one we're catholic warriors and so do you know what's in your inventory do you know what's in your arsenal do you know what it is to be 
a Catholic soldier for Christ? And, and if you don't, then you're not living up to that masculinity, regardless of what, if you thought you un, had a good understanding of what masculinity was. So that's one. I mean, live your faith. Uh, the second is don't be conformed to this age. This age in particular, maybe it's because it's the age that I'm living in and you're living in. And it's the only thing that I really know experientially. But, you know, today I'm going to be recording a short video on theology of the body. And this culture that we're living in, not just in the United States, but worldwide, really seeks to emasculate you. They want to get away from gender roles. They want to get away from, you know, even saying two genders. Don't fall into that trap. Don't get cowed in to thinking that you have to believe this new age ideology that we're neither male or female here on earth. In heaven, don't get me wrong, in heaven, none of that's going to matter because we're all going to be wed to God in a spiritual sense where being given in marriage isn't going to be important. But when we're here on earth, we're to image Christ and his church, Christ being the bridegroom and his church being his bride. And so, like, don't think that you have to get many petties. Not that it's, you know, it's necessarily bad. I don't know. Maybe that's a poor example. But to me, I am never going to get a Matty petty. I am not going to, you know, take up certain aspects of femininity just because I am being told to express and explore my feminine side. You know, my feminine side is the Virgin Mary. My feminine side of my life is my wife, my daughter, my mother. That's my feminine side. For, for you as a guy, and this is just my opinion for whoever is listening, don't be afraid to be a guy. You're, you're called to be... You're called to be tough for a reason. You know, let's go back to the beginning with Adam. Adam had one job to do. You know, even before Adam uh, had Eve, God told him his job was to keep the garden, till and keep. But keep doesn't mean like put, in a, put it in your pocket and keep. Keep meant keep it safe. Well, keep it safe from what? Well, obviously, as we read further into Genesis, keep it safe from the devil, from Satan, from the dragon. And I say dragon because they say serpent, but in, because of modern art or classic art, they make it seem like it's a tiny little boa constrictor or some sort of garter snake. No, it's the same word that they use for le, like Leviathan. It's a dragon. He was, the, he was supposed to go to war. So I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Where was Adam when Eve took the forbidden fruit now that's the thing actually while you were talking i was thinking about this because i've actually heard talks from both catholic and non-catholic speakers adam left his post like where was he like he was if, if, when she's engaging the the devil essentially right the the snake where was he now i don't i, I honestly I, I fail to know the answer off the top of my head it's all good the, yeah but the fact that he is not present he he failed in his masculine duty. As far as I'm concerned, he failed because right. he was not there to protect and serve his bride. So proximity wise, what the Bible tells us, 
And the man who was with her, he was with her. He mentally checked out, spiritually checked out. He may not have been physically far away, but just like you said, he was not present. He did not do what needed to be done when it needed to be done. And so one of the reasons I bring that up is what did Christ do? Christ said, I love you this much, my bride, the church, and arms spread, nailed to the cross, died for his bride, laid down his life. There's no greater love. And so what's more masculine than being able to not just fight, but to have that aspect of self-sacrifice? So when it comes down to that aspect, you, it's a self-donation. If you, if you are a man and you want to truly man up, then be like the new Adam rather than the old Adam. The old Adam would have said, no, nah, not my deal. I'll just go with the flow. You know, I, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to stand up. Uh, I don't want there to be any trouble. That's cowardice. So we are called to be warriors from the start. Adam had one job to do, and that job still exists today for us men who are after Adam. We still have to, you know, for lack of better terms, under armor, protect this house. We are called to be the protectors of our households. We are called to image Christ to others. And so, you know, true masculinity, are you a warrior? If you had to, could you? Could you defend someone? Um, are you, you know, maybe you have the technical skill, but are you strong enough? Maybe you don't have the technical skill and you're strong enough. You know how to use your body. Um, you know, from a physical sense, from a spiritual sense, do you know how to stand up for, for, for your bride, the church, for your bride, your wife? If you're looking at pornography, that's not masculine. That to me, that's like the lowest of the low for males. You can't even control yourself. What makes you think that you should be in charge of others? You can't, you can't lead yourself. You're not a leader among men if you can't even lead yourself. So I don't know. That's what, those are the two things I would say um, for, for men in the church today, especially Filipino males. And, you know, growing up in the Philippines, it was almost a rite of passage that you went to like some whorehouse to, to lose your virginity. Um, you know, women are, were very much objectified and probably still are. That's, that's the, and I bring that up uh, at the tail end only because if you really want to, to man up, it's not about how many gals you can score or things like that. You know, true manliness is being able to show how faithful you are. Filipino men, I think, have a deserved bad rap of not being faithful. And that's when my father left me when I was in the fifth grade. That was the reason why. Um, you know, he, he was not... Um, you know, not virtuous enough to stay with my mother. Uh, you know, he's made amends in, uh, in recent years, and he's a practicing Catholic now. But it's just one of those things that if, if for any man out there, if you truly want to man up, become Catholic. If you're a Catholic man and you're listening to this, if you truly want to man up, then live out your faith and don't be conformed to this world. 
that was awesome. And I don't care what my the whoever's listening to this, you may agree with what he said, you may disagree with what he said, but if you can sense the passion and the intention in what Carlos is talking about, I hope it moves you the same way it's moving me. And if you could possibly just pause right here and just rewind and play that whole thing he just said again. I recommend you do it. That was awesome, man. I really appreciate that, brother. Um, now, I also want to kind of touch upon now. I'm actually going to bring, we're kind of going to, toward the tail end of the interview. I know you're probably busy, so I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I want to bring up a point or two that, you know, that I've personally struggled with, as well as, you know, other Filipino-Americans that I've met that they've debated me with and they reasons why they've left. So I've already addressed one. One is the masculine crisis, right? The, the image of Christ as effeminate, the image of the church as effeminate, no strong man actually goes to church that whole thing right so we've discussed that and i really love what you said about that um i want to touch upon our filipino history and i think we you and i have probably gone to this guy i think i messaged you a while back about this to get your thoughts yeah, yeah, on this yeah. right and a big thing that i get especially being a filipino martial artist uh, someone who practices kali arnis and eskrima i've actually gotten criticism online private messages i've actually had people email me and reach out to me some even in person who said to me um you know and people that i don't even know like they'll just recognize me from youtube or something <laughs> they'll just come up to me and they'll say things like you know how can you claim to be a filipino warrior when you are practicing the faith of the colonizer and right. i think this is a big hang-up because there's this new uh trend i don't know if you say it's a trend but there's this new thing in decolonization or decolonized mind it's like the hashtag mm -hmm. and how these filipino americans are shedding their their catholic uh, faith because they believe it simply to be a faith of the colonizer and because these colonizers were so corrupt you know th then this faith is not true this was forced upon us and therefore i don't need to believe in this and i'm gonna be honest with you this is one of my things that i struggle with today and I've actually had to do my own research. I might make a whole episode or even a separate podcast, like altogether, just discussing this topic. But what is your take if a Filipino American who's left the faith comes up to you and says, you're being colonized, you're practicing the colonizer's religion that was forced upon us? What would you say to that? Because I'm curious, because I, I know what I would say to that. I'm still working through my, my, uh, my issues with that. But what would you, you seem to be a lot more knowledgeable than I am. What would you say to that? So I struggled with that too. I grew up, being the like in where I graduated from high school, I was the only chocolate chip in the cookie. And <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Where I graduated yeah, yeah. high school in South Carolina, um, you know, I was literally the the token. Um, they they called me Fez for foreign exchange student, even though that I was not. Uh, and, and I took it tongue in cheek because to me, and you know, I'm I'm just gonna shine through that shade. And I remember for the longest time having this, this kind of like uh, how the black Americans were trying to go for, you know, back to Africa. I was trying to go back to the Philippines. I went back quite a bit because, and I still speak the language. My little brother doesn't, I still speak the language. And um, I struggled with that because I didn't have anyone really who looked like me. And so the people who didn't look like me to me, I was like, they're trying to impose their thoughts, their ideologies, this, that, and the other. And so I, I know what that, you know, and I'm going to, and I'm going to call it for what it is. I know what that victim mentality feels like. I really do. Um, you know, I, it was, it was tough for me. I even, you'll, you'll see pictures where I went out of my way to pinoy it up. I would like for Halloween, I wore a bahag. 
you know, I, I was straight up in a loincloth, face paint, uh, the whole nine yards just to try and make a point. And ultimately, as I grew older, none of that, <laughs> none of that stuff matters. Like the, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that the, there's only one thing that matters and that's truth. You know, I mentioned, um, you know, truth earlier in my reversion. And that's, that was the tipping point for me to be able to listen because a lot of people, you know, especially when it comes to pre Catholic Philippines, really what that was is just paganism. So, you know, they had their own gods, uh, Batala, um, you know, and, and whatnot. And they practiced their own religion, whether it be like animist or whatnot. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, are you doing it just because your forebears did it? Or are you doing it because it's true? No, I, I get that the Spanish, they weren't very nice people. Not all of them anyways. I get that, you know, when it comes to colonizing the world, people had this sense of manifest destiny like in the United States. But at the end of the day, test everything and keep what is good. So if you're going to choose a religion, are you choosing it based on the color of your skin or the content of the character of that religion? Because for me, I'd rather choose something that is true than something that sounds Filipino. Just because I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm Filipino. This is must be what I believe. No, you choose what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. And truth cannot contradict truth. And so for a lot of people out there, um, the, they fall into this relativistic trap where, you know, pick your religion, try out different churches. This isn't, you know, fast food or trying to pick a restaurant. This isn't trying on clothes. You, when you put on the, the full armor of God, the, that armor is not going to tailor down to fit you. You're supposed to bulk up to fit it. It's about truth. You know, like, so for me, for any of the, you know, because I've gotten accused of that too. Whenever someone would dare accuse me of being whitewashed and being, you know, a colonial dog, I just go, you know what? I'd rather, you know, I, I can brush off those words because nothing is going to stop me from believing in the truth. And they're like, they're going to ask the same question that I asked. What is truth? And that's when I'm just going to drop truth bombs left and right on them because they're not going to be able to refute the fact that whenever they say there's no such thing as truth, that I'm going to go, oh, that sounds like you believe something to be true. And that sounds like a pretty absolute statement. So are you going to choose a false God? Again, are you going to choose a false God? Because those were the gods of your ancient ancestors. Or are you going to choose the one true God? Because he's the one true God. You know what I mean? So that's how I, that's kind of how I, I think about it. I mean, like being Filipino means a lot to me, but being Catholic is a whole lot more. Being Filipino is not going to get me to heaven. Being Catholic is going to get me to heaven. Living out my faith is going to get me to heaven. You know, being a Catholic who is Filipino, that could help me and my family get to heaven, but it's not going to get me there. It's going to help because, you know, the cultural richness but it's not going to be the, the, the check in the box when I meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, uh, you know, to, to use the, the, the old image. He's not going to go, 
Now, let me see your Filipino card. He's going to go, have you been Christ to others? Oh, looks like you have. He's not going to go, have you been Filipino to others? So for anyone who's like, you know, like, yeah, those colonizers, you know what? For better or worse, they brought, they brought the word of truth. Um, they brought the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And they weren't, and those folks weren't all bad. Because if you truly believe what you believe, then yeah, you're going to want to go on missions. You're going to want to set this world on fire with the fire of God's love. You're going to want to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Plain and simple. Right on, brother. And I really appreciate you saying that because, again, these are things that have been on my mind as well. And I know there's a lot of probably Filipino-Americans listening to this because I tend to have a, a very strong Filipino-American audience, many of whom may have left the faith like we did and maybe have these same questions. So I really appreciate you going into such detail and such uh, such intention with what you just said. And, you know, listening to what you're saying, you know, doing my own research, it, it goes to show, and if anyone does the actual research, the, the Spanish decrees, there's documents stating that, you know, when they showed up to the Philippines, they were supposed to treat the chieftains and the Datus and the royal class with great reverence and respect. They weren't supposed to oppress them. And if anyone was to oppress these royal classes, they were going to be disciplined by their superior. This, this is, these are Spanish documents. And I don't think a lot of people know about that. And I think it's important to note that, yes, you know, colonization 100% was not pretty. But Filipinos being such an openly and spiritual people... I think that the faith just kind of melted in there and converted us, not just through just, through, you know, possibly there were regions that was through conquest, but they're most likely. And the research does show that many Filipinos at that time converted willingly because they felt something was true here, or at the very least, there was something good in what these people were bringing them. They were open to it. And I think that's something that most people just don't know about. And again, I'm sure I'm going to get a ton of like, messages and emails about what you just said and all these things and frankly <laughs> i welcome it i welcome it because i think it's important to not be apathetic because wh whether or not people believe in what you're saying or not i think it's important for them to figure out for themselves what does this mean because i think we live in a society and like you were saying a very apathetic society where there's no definitions and no one wants to offend anybody but it's 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 about finding again what is true and you seem to be a person and you appear to be a person to me that is about truth and is willing to profess the truth. And I think that's really, really important. And I just hope that this starts some kind of discussion. And, I, you know, if people have messages or criticism or anything like that. I hope they bring it because I think it's important for people to ask these big questions. The worst thing we can do is just ignore the questions because these are big questions. It pays to know the answer, I think. And I think part of being a warrior is that spiritual side. And if you look at any religious group, I'm oh, sorry, rather than religious group, think of any warrior class. I tell people this all the time. Think of the Spartans. Think of the Samurai. Think of the Shaolin. Think of the Apache. Think of the Filipino warriors. They all had a faith system. Oh, yeah. You said people forget yeah, and, that. You know? Yeah, and you bring that up. Here's, here's the other part that I think is hilarious. They're like, before the Spanish came, everything was nice and peaceful. Like, not if you have a martial culture like we have. No, everything wasn't nice and peaceful. In fact, my wife, her family still belongs to one of the original indigenous tribes, the Thingian. You know, they were a war, they are, they were a warrior people. 
There's a reason why they're a warrior people. Because there was war. War Spanish didn't bring war over to the Philippines. We were already warriors. Right on. No, that's absolutely true. And I think, again, people think it's this binary, mutually exclusive choice of I need to be loyal to my Filipino culture and, or, or I can be a cap. I can't be both. But I think it's important for all of us. And I think C.S. Lewis, he had a really good point. And I tell, you know, the people who bring up these questions to me, I'm not a apologist or a theologian or anything like that. But what I tell them is, you know, C.S. Lewis has a beautiful quote of how uh, God sees everything. Right. Like he doesn't see like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like he sees all. Right. 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 So I'm trying to see, hopefully I try to see Filipino history and Filipino culture, hopefully in the same way that God does. He sees it as a whole. So it's not just this period of pre-Hispanic and colonialism and American colonial. Like I I try to let go of that personally, just between you and I and possibly all the listeners now, uh, just to think of it as one big culture, one big history. And I think it's important for us to embrace and at least understand and learn from all the aspects of our culture and history, as opposed to focusing just on the pre-Hispanic or just on the Spanish. We need to look at it as a whole if we're truly to respect our own culture and to appreciate it. So I really appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, we're coming down to the wire here. um, And I just want to ask you what we can do to help spread your message. I know that you do evangelical work. Uh, You know, you have a great deal of social media presence. I was just wondering what we can do on our end, uh, even though we're not necessarily a, you know, faith-based martial arts group, we would like to help spread, you know, your work in any way that we can. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, uh, you can find me at, at Catholic Ammo. Uh, I have another pod. I have a, a podcast as well, Fire Away, where we deal with hot topics. Um, you know, you know, for me, when I, whenever I do that online evangelization, it's only because, like I said earlier, if you truly believe what it is that you believe, then you're going to want to shout it from the rooftops. You're going to want to share that good news. And so... Um, yeah, and you don't have to be Catholic to, to follow my account. Um, you know, you can be for, for uh, you know, to be funny, Catholic curious, right? So if you were ever like, hey, I really want, you know, this guy said some pretty outlandish things. Uh, I want to hear some more outlandish things or, hey, this guy, you know, kind of made sense. Uh, I'm not Catholic, but I, I want to learn a little bit more. You know, feel free to drop by the page. I'm, I'm, even though it's, it sounds like I come across very strong uh, about the faith. I'm also very gentle. I, I, I'm not here to argue with anybody. I don't try to do zingers and put downs and and stuff like that. Uh, that's not my style. My style is a very, uh, you know, flowing style, like a like a tai chi jujitsu kind of deal where we're just gonna roll. I, you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to try and uh, and convince you. I'm just going to tell you why it is, why why I believe. And if you like it, then great. If you don't like it, I'll still pray for you. And uh, maybe one day, you know, if I if something happened and something clicks, then you'll come back. But otherwise, at Catholic Ammo, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, brother, thank you so much, and take care. Uh, if there's anything we can do again. Feel free to reach out. God bless you, man. I'll see you later. Hey, sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Carlos Bersabe. Uh, if you guys need any more information from him, I'm going to leave his contact info and his social media info in the show notes. Take care. God bless and become the hero in your life.